Blog Talk Radio.
a flight of imagination to Walt Disney World Epcot Center. On an Eastern Super 7 vacation, a week here without airfare is as little as $156, including hotel, car, and more. How can we do this? Why, as the official airline of Walt Disney World, we can work a little magic of our own. Good afternoon, folks. You know that song, Once Upon a Long Time Ago. If you just insert the company name that you work for, uh, for the family street, our neighborhood street, there are so many words there that are meaningful, especially when you get up in age and uh, your company is no longer around or you have retired many years ago. Hello, my name is Neil Holland. I'm the uh, the uh, sponsor, or I guess I guess you would say the founder of the radio show. We've been here for 12 years now and still having a good time talking to lots of folks, not only here in this country, but around the world. So uh, this is uh, our uh, 12th year, and uh, for the Airline Radio Hour is what we call it. Uh, we've got 100 episodes now that we've been doing. It uh, doesn't seem that long ago, but here we are still doing these episodes of sharing uh, memories of the airline that we work for and hold dear in our hearts. If you're listening on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, that's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and you'd like to call in and talk with our guests, uh, we've got a room on the board. We have some hosts that have been with us, and we'll get to them in just a minute. And you'd like to add your memories, then why not give us a call right now? It's area code 213 816 1611. That's area code 213-816-1611. And share those memories with us about your airline. We'd like to hear them. You know, we are a satellite-based radio station. And as I said, uh, we like to uh, share our information, our stories, our memories, talk about the airlines uh, with folks in other countries. We've got over 50 countries that we've identified because our antenna is 22,000 miles above the earth, and we get it out there. We get that signal out there all around the world. Again, let me repeat the number, 213-816-1611. Now, this week, we have another format called Open Mic Show. It's an open mic show. Don't know what we will say here during this hour broadcast, but uh, it's got to be interesting because it's uh, about the airline. I'm going to see who we do have with us today, but before I do that, I want to remind folks that we do have a show on Monday evenings at 8 p.m., Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Uh, Harry Lindquist and myself, Neil Holland, we like to uh, put the show uh, on podcast. That means we pre-broadcast it, and we air it at 8 p.m. every Monday evening. And it's stories about Eastern Airlines our parent company, I guess you would call it. And uh, we talk about Eastern Airlines. Uh, stories from 1928 all the way to the present day. Even though the airline is no longer around, the Eastern family is still alive and, and telling stories about their memories about the airlines. Now, let's take a look on the board and see who we got. First of all, I see a uh, a call a caller that calls in just about every week. Jim Holder, Captain Jim Holder, Atlanta, Georgia, or Conyers. Where do you live, Jim Holder? Uh, Atlanta's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it a suburb of Atlanta where you live? Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know how much information ought to be getting put out on people these days on the internet. Oh, okay. no, don't tell them I live in Georgia. <laughs> okay, so so you're not going to do a, a, a little uh, info about uh, the Chamber of Commerce there and be, be speak about no. uh, where you are. Okay, how's yeah. the weather there in the Atlanta area? It is uh, mild and cloudy, and uh, I just got back from having lunch at uh, Freddy's, 
and uh, I'm feeling real good and looking forward to uh, watching the PGA golf this afternoon. And uh, my wife, Carrie, and her son, Jeff, uh, we've all picked the three, you know, who's going to win the money uh, between <laughs> us three. So I'm pulling for uh, Jason Day, Justin Thomas, and Scotty Scheffler. Well, everybody that's all everybody picked Scotty Scheffler. So we really okay. only got two guys each that we're uh, going to be looking at. All right. And, uh, Are you looking going forward to, include, to doing that? Are you going to include little Heidi? Uh, little Heidi is somewhere in the house right now. I've got all the doors shut because she thinks this house is was built and finished for her to find every piece of paper and every piece of cardboard and chew it up. I'll tell you, we have to keep the door shut because that girl, oh, man, uh, she can she can chew up an encyclopedia in five minutes. But, um, but I love her anyhow. She's All a little right. standard, uh, I mean, a miniature schnauzer. Okay. Well, let's see who's at area code 908. 908, who might that be? Uh, Sharon Eric. Moore. Hey, Sharon, golly, peace. Good to hear your lovely voice back on the air. No, I know. I saw the time today, and I said, oh, i got to get on the radio show. Okay. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> well, you're going you're gonna to add to our show today greatly because we don't really have anything to talk about. But first of all, tell me where you are and how's the weather in your backyard? Well, I'm in Somerset, New Jersey, and it's raining right now. <clears throat> but it's supposed to be nice tomorrow. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, we uh, had our rain. We had a little rain yesterday, and I uh, usually open my garage. That's my front porch, and anybody coming down the street usually stops in for uh, a diet soda or a Coke or uh, even a Guinness beer I got in my, refriger- my garage refrigerator. And so around 4 o'clock, I usually get anywhere from my next-door neighbor to about uh, oh. 10, 8, 12, I've had as many as 12 people all talking at one time here on my driveway in my front of my house. <laughs> so, um, but at any rate, we were rained out yesterday. We got a good splashing. I mean, it came down with a strong wind, but we needed it. I never complain about rain anymore. You know, when we were young, I think we didn't want rain because we had so many activities planned when we were younger. Don't you think? Right. Right. And you know what? What? I came in from um, London yesterday on a 777. It was so windy coming into Newark Airport. I thought, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of scary. Everybody was kind of jumping up and down. But the captain did a great job. I think he was landing the airplane, and we touched down, and uh, I said, boy, I missed this. So you weren't working the flight. You were a passenger. I was a pa- I'm too old to work flights. I was a passenger. <laughs> well, that captain must have been a former Eastern pilot. <laughs> but well, that's what I was about. thinking. Yeah, what airline? What airline? It was on British Airways. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I, I went over I, I, on Aer Lingus. Uh-huh. And then we did a river cruise. Okay. And came back on British Airways. And it's crazy out there with all the people traveling. When you do a river cruise, Sharon, do you do it on one of those, what they call the long boats? Yeah, it was on a Viking long boat. Okay. All right. I just don't like locks. I mean, in the middle of the night, they wake you up. Oh. Go through the locks. Why do they wake you up? Because they make noise. You know, oh, the ship okay. slows down and mm-hmm. it's being ris- risen, risen, whatever, yeah. up to the level it's supposed to be at. And then uh, oh, it just wakes okay. me up. I like watching I, it. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. All right. Uh, are there many locks on the river? What, what was the main river that you were doing your cruise? It was, it was the Rhine River. And I think right. there's less mm-hmm. um, than the Danube because the captain said there's like 56 locks we have to go through. Wow. So he said he switched over to the Rhine because there was less locks. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
I, I guess you got to have a key for every one of those locks, too, don't you? <laughs> That's supposed to be a joke. However, all right. Yeah, let's get on. All right. You know, uh, Sharon, in case you missed the last couple of shows, we've been doing open mic, and, and uh, I've been posing some questions for whoever, like yourself and Jim Holder and myself, uh, to answer these questions. And uh, believe me, it eats up the time. But uh, uh, we, I've, uh, we've uh, shared a lot of different uh, questions that I have put together, and uh, I have a third set that I want to offer to you guys to see if you have any comments that you'd like to make about any of these. Now, some may apply to flying. Others uh, will make it apply to working in the cabin uh, as a flight attendant. First of all, had you ever applied to any other airline before you were accepted by Eastern? I'm going to start with you, Sharon. Was Eastern your first airline that you applied with? Yes, it was. Okay. And I had to wait till I turned 20. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, was it worth waiting for? Yes, it was. All right. It was because great. my my second question and Jim, hang on to these questions now because I'm going to ask you. Since right. uh, if you were not accepted by Eastern Sharon, what was your second choice, or what would it? Well, have you know, been? I I really didn't have a second choice because I didn't think I'd get hired. Okay. <laughs> I was going to nursing school at the time, and I wanted to get my nursing done with. In fact, when I interviewed, they said. I said, well, I really can't come right now. And she said, well, do you want me to put you down as pending? I Uh said, no, I really would like the job, but I don't like to start something and not finish it. She liked Uh that answer, so I got hired. (laughs) Very good. All right. Okay, Jim, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Had you applied to any other airline before you were accepted by Eastern? Yes, I did. Uh, I was in the Mississippi Air Guard uh, flying uh, prop planes, Connie's, C-119s, and uh, there was a lot of Delta pilots in my unit, I'd say seven or eight, and uh, they were encouraging me to uh, uh, apply to go to work for Delta and uh, wrote a couple of them, wrote letters and that kind of stuff. So uh, I called and got a, a form, I mean, a yeah, I guess you might say it, an interview appointment. And my son, Michael, had just been born. And uh, he was down in Pascagoula, and I hadn't seen him in a while. Uh, I was living in Jackson, Mississippi. And so I had a pass to go over to Atlanta and go interview for Delta. And I don't remember except I was by myself as well as so anyhow, but I went in and saw uh, I guess this is the standard procedure. I went in and saw a pilot uh, interviewer, and I thought it went real well, and he seemed to be thinking it was going real well. And I was antsy to get back to Jackson to go down to Pascagoula, where my son was staying with his grandparents and his, his mother. And I guess I was sort of fidgety and wanting to get going, and then he told me that they required me to go downtown Atlanta to see a psychiatrist, and that was standard. <laughs> and and I went down south, went down to Atlanta, uh, and was interviewed by this guy. And I was anxious, and I guess it put it it showed up in my attitude or whatever, and uh, to get go back to see my son, my little boy, my first child. And I'd already spent most of the day in here. I was having to go downtown Atlanta, and I guess I was a little antsy to get going. And I think that must have been why, but they declined to hire me. And so all the guys at Delta, they was at the, uh, at the squadron, they just couldn't believe that uh, they didn't hire me, but they didn't. But I made up for it by going down to Miami and to see Captain J.K. Gimmel, and he hired me within the first 30 minutes to start next Monday, <laughs> if available, because a guy just called and said he didn't think he could make it. This was on Friday. 
for the class on Monday, and I said, yes, I can make it, I can make it, I can make it. You know? <laughs> well, it turned out he showed up, so they put me in the class two weeks later. So okay. I went from uh, not being hired to being hired day after tomorrow if you can get back. So, And I did, and that was in <laughs> October 1963. Okay. Well, uh, my, my situation was that uh, I went out to Alaska Airlines and was in the uh, 1649 Constellation Flight Engineer class, and uh, they were going to hire all of us in that class, and there was another Eastern guy that uh, that had worked with me in flight training out at Tamiami Airport, where I was a chief flight instructor, and uh, Gene Rosenthal, and uh, based in Miami, and we both went out to Alaska Airlines. We we were there, and we had just finished the ground school, and we're getting ready for flight training on the 1649, the big big uh, constellation, and uh, got a call from. Uh, Captain, uh, uh, now who the heck hired me? Uh, I can't even think of his name now. I, I, once, once I was on the board of directors with REPA, I uh, put him up for nomination as uh, the Hall of Fame. And O.B. Bivens, golly, Pete, uh, that's what these old minds do. They kind of slip off the track every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But Captain Bivens uh, mm-hmm. called me. And uh, didn't know Gene was out there with me and asked me if I wanted a job with Eastern. And I, I said, when did I start? He said, Monday, if you can get here. It was the end of the week. And he said, I can get you from Chicago to Miami, but you'll have to get yourself from Seattle to uh, Chicago. And I said, I'm on my way. So uh, I told him, I said, Gene's sitting here right beside me. Would you like to talk with him? So I put uh, Gene on the phone and, and he hired both of us and, the rest is history. So that's, uh, I, I'm glad Eastern uh, did hire me. Although Alaska wouldn't have been too bad to have flown to them. Mm-hmm. Still, it's still flying, in other words. But uh, okay, now here's a question. And um, uh, I've often wondered whether the expense account that we shared as crew members, both cabin crew members and flight deck crew members, was quite enough to cover all of the expenses on our layover. And so I'm going to ask you first, Sharon, because I've never heard what you gals did and guys did with your expense money. Did you did you have to come out of your own bank account to pay your expenses when you were in New York, uh, seeing all the shows and eating at the fine restaurants and the hotels in New York? Or did you come out with a little extra pocket change? We didn't do all that because we didn't have any money. (laughs) We shared a one-bedroom apartment in downtown Manhattan that we uh, leased from another crew member that graduated in the class before us. And the only thing we used to do was go to Central Park and have picnics and things like that because when we went out to go to the local bar and restaurant, we made friends with the local bartender and we couldn't afford but to maybe share a drink between the four of us. So what he would do is say, hey, isn't it your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody in the bar would always buy us drinks. So that worked out good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, that's a good one. I hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, we'd all toast it, each other and say, happy birthday. Didn't you guys have an expense account that you turned in at the end of the month and Eastern would write you an expense checkout? You know what? I think it was part of our, we turn in our timesheets and if we yeah. had, you know, the credit. Uh, but our, our expense sheet, a lot of times we would share rooms just so we could make some money yeah. um, and then claim the whole uh, yeah. room. Okay. Because it was tough. I mean, because when you first start flying, you have to pay for your first uniform, and that's expensive. And then downtown Manhattan's expensive. We used to take the carry bus down to uh, yeah the station and either go to um, LaGuardia or JFK. Yeah. 
And uh, that was the old, I remember we got off at Newark and going downtown, we'd take the old 101 bus, bus 101, right outside the parking lot out there where the bus stop was. Do you guys recall that? But uh, I recall. It, yeah. Uh, crew scheduling would call me and say I had a, they had a flight for me out of Newark. And I would say, this is terrible, but I was young and dumb. I would say, I really can't make it out there because I've never been there before. And usually they would say, oh, that's okay. We'll just get someone else. (laughs) It didn't work that way with us. (laughs) There you go. go. Oh, let's let's hear from Heidi, Jim Holder. (laughs) Well, Heidi just got put out on the deck. You want to get on radio, Heidi? Bark here, you good girl. <laughs> she's a sweet girl. Oh, she's a sweet girl. Well, let me get back in the house. <laughs> you see barking at the neighbor next door, cut his grass. Oh, golly. Yeah. We've got a big thin yard back there, and we had to have it redone, so she's safe out there. Same well, you know, we're, we're talking, Jim, we're talking about uh, expense money. You may have heard part of uh, Sharon's comments about expenses. Yeah, I heard uh, we we uh, started out with very little. As a matter of fact, we had to find our own hotel, and we found the cheapest ones. Uh, the ones that I used to favor was the Paramount Hotel. I think it was $6 a night. Uh, right across from the Paramount was the Edison Hotel in New York, and it was around 7 or $8 a night. Do you remember that, Jim? Yeah, I remember that. I remember Ed's Bids in Chicago, too. You remember that place? Oh, yeah. They didn't have walls. They had sheets between the bids. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times there was some uh, activity going on. You could hear three or four sheets down the hall. <laughs> oh, golly. They, they, well, shut up, guys. We're trying to sleep. <laughs> well, when did when did we finally uh, get the expense account like it? I think it was oh, like fifty-five cents uh, uh, per per hour I away from remember. base. I can't but it, remember. The it only, became only more spent, than what we could spend, and uh, yeah. and, it, and we, I, I had a little spent, extra spending money. Well, I, I we got it once a month, and I remember when I bought my first house, took all the money I had to get the down payment and everything, and. I left on a trip, and I had my $80, it was $80 and something, expensive check. I just got it, and we only got paid once a month back in those days. And I left on a long trip, and my wife back then, she's not my wife now, uh, and her mother was up visiting, and we had just bought this house, barely had enough money to, to move into it. And I told her before we left, I said, this $80 is all the money we're going to have for the next 10 days. Because we got got it on like the 15th or 16th. And I said, don't be dependent on anything. And I came back in and walked in and say, I bought new curtains on either side of the fireplace in the family room. And used up every penny of that check. Boy, was I mad. Oh, okay. I said, what are we going to feed the kids for the next 10 days? Oh, yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, well. <laughs> At any rate, uh, we went we went through those times that we we were making four hundred seventy five dollars, and I remember I, I was uh, in an apartment in Annandale, Virginia, and uh, bought a new car, making payments on that and all that uh, for four seventy five a month. Boy, I tell you what, it just mm-hmm. seems impossible that you could do do that. But uh, I don't know what four seventy five a month back then would be, but that was, was only about now. a year. Yeah. <laughs> But anyhow, uh, boy, the, the the amounts that they are paying. I don't know about the salaries and pay now that flight attendants are getting, but boy, the pilots are really negotiating big dollars, big dollars in their contracts mm-hmm. for the majors. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an interesting one for us, and mainly I think for you, because you went through, uh, Sharon, you went through so many different uniforms. If you had the power to choose a uniform that you wore or could think of wearing, would it be the one that you wore with your company or something that you would think would be easier to uh, to move around the cabin or uh, you, you feel better dressed up or whatever? Were you comfortable in your uniform? Well, my first uniform was the blue uh, Don Loper. I like that one because he's okay. 
at that time we had to wear white gloves and you know get dressed up. What year? Yeah. What year was that? What year? What year? I started um, in 1967. Okay. So mm-hmm. December, I got my first uniform because that's when we graduated. It was winter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I wore that, and then we switched over to the green leprechaun uniform. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always called yeah. it the leprechaun. Leprechaun. But the one I really liked was the blue uh, one piece um, that I would wear when I was working because they didn't have to worry about bending over and skirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was just the, like the pants. Uh, what do you call those now? See, I have a cold jumpsuits, because my like flight coming over. Jumpsuits. Like, yes, that yeah, that one. I like that one the best. Well, you know, when when I started in '63, and Jim Holder, you probably remember too. The flight attendants like you. You wore that blue uniform, uh, two-piece uniform, and uh, you had a little uh, a hat that goes with it, and you wore white gloves. You remember that? Yeah, I got written up in um, Acapulco for only carrying one and wearing one, and it was like 98 degrees. <laughs> wearing what? It, one, wasn't one air, it wasn't air conditioned. <laughs> one glove. Oh my I said, God. Well, you know, you never expect to see a supervisor in Acapulco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I didn't have my jacket on either because it was too hot, so that oh. too. Well, I'm surprised you didn't lose your job. But, uh, nah. uh, you know, you know, Jim, I, the, what I liked the most was summertime when we wore those blue shirts. Do you remember those blue shirts that we used to wear? Company. Yeah, long sleeve blue shirts with embroidered wings. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I did, I really too. I really like that, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, that was mm-hmm. summer summer only. And uh, But we wore our uniform. Not. I'm glad we didn't have double-breasted uniforms like Delta had to mm-hmm. wear in some of mm-hmm. the other airlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, too hot. <laughs> yeah, okay, here's the next one. I know this is going to uh, uh, bring out some uh, memories here for you, especially Sharon and Jim, you've, you've had also. Who was the most famous, unusual, I should say, unusual or famous? Now, for Jim, I'm going to ask you, jump seat rider on your uh, flight, and Sharon, I'm just going to say passenger. Uh, for you, but Jim, who was the most unusual or famous jump seat rider you had on your uh, in the cabin, a flight deck, rather? Oh uh, well, the guy that used to be the treasurer—I uh, forgot what it was. He was big, big, big Eastern. Uh, uh, built up. Uh, he wasn't a pilot. He was. A, I forgot exactly what his job was, but he rode from Boston to Atlanta with us. Uh huh. And this was with Borman, things were not going well and all that. And he I may have been retired by then, but I was highly impressed by him. I was so highly impressed by him, I can't remember his name. Was but, it Charlie uh, Simons? <laughs> Charlie Simons, yes. That's who it was. Charlie, Charlie Simons was probably one of the best executive vice presidents we Eastern right. Airlines ever uh, had. Uh, right. And then yeah. later on, I had Frank Borman, and it was a real come down. Charlie Simon. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny you, trip because the co-pilot, it was his leg to fly from Atlanta to Phoenix. And then we went on to, uh, oh, I forgot, Tucson. And uh-huh. they came on and, and uh, said that Frank Borman just showed up and uh, he's going to be riding in first class, but he would like to come up and visit if it's okay. And I said, well, certainly it's okay. Well, the first officer was Flew B fifty seven forty sevens, which was a strange air, you know, big time airplane to fly in the Air Force, and he flew uh, the missions that that bummer was on. And he looked over at me and he said, "Captain, I, I can't fly the airplane. You gonna have to fly." I said, "Why?" He said, well, "I can't fly the airplane with Bowman back there." I said, "Good God <laughs> Almighty!" I mean, he was older than I was. He was in the Air Force and the whole kit and caboodle. So I flew that leg, and I thought this is the strangest. Didn't want to, I want to fly to, but Borman came up and sat and talked about twenty minutes, and everything was fine, you know. Yeah. But how in the world would that guy with that experience, a lot more time, well, not more time, but a lot more? I never flew a B forty-seven, and uh, and yet he didn't want to fly it with Borman in first-class seat. I don't know, strange, strange <laughs> things happen sometimes. Yeah, the astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Aspinall. Yeah. I guess the most famous, and here again, he wasn't a pilot either. Well, in a sense, he was because he checked out on some of Eastern's uh, equipment and also checked out as a flight attendant. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it was, uh, well, let's see, it's your turn. But since I'm talking about him, I'm going to go ahead and then I'm going to ask you, Sharon, who the most famous person you had. But this person that was on my jump seat from Atlanta to Phoenix to Tucson was Robert uh, Robert Serling. And Robert mm -hmm. had, had just finished. That's Rod Serling's brother. And mm -hmm. he had just finished writing the book Stewardess. And he had checked out on Eastern Airlines uh, as a flight attendant. He'd gone through the whole flight program as a flight attendant and checked out for his book that he had uh, written. And he had done the same thing with Eastern. Of course, he wrote the book from the captain to the colonel. And he mm -hmm. checked out in our equipment in the simulator. But a very interesting person on the jump seat all the way from Atlanta to Tucson. Got an invitation to come visit him if I had a long layover in Tucson. And I wish I had. But uh, he's been dead a few years now. But he wrote, and as a matter of fact, we're doing one of the stories that uh, comes from the book from the captain to the colonel on our Monday night show. And uh, because there's some good, good uh, material there that we'll be uh, reading from. And uh, but a very interesting. And he told me that he had done some of the episodes of Twilight Zone for his brother, Rod. And uh, and uh, I forgot which ones. I think with the one with the little gremlins out there on the wing, I remember seeing it. But I remember, yeah, him I remember. talking about it. And that was one of the ones mm -hmm. that he collaborated with uh, his brother on. But interesting person. Now, Sharon, who was uh, the most interesting person you've had on the flight? I had so many. Um, <laughs> but I remember Bob Hope. He was oh, wow. he was great, very friendly. And um, we had a long flight out to L.A., I believe, or one of those. I had him on a couple times. And so um, I had three people on. I had... Uh, uh, that we're in a movie together, um, and why can't I think of their names? Three of them was it uh, the cat? Was it the Ghostbusters? No, it was the Three Kings. Oh, three and kings. I'm looking right at them, and they were sitting in first class. Okay. And all the girls took their coats and put their, and it was on an L1011. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was working the galley. It was. Oh. It'll come to me in a minute. I. <laughs> with my head cold. I had so many um, people on, but yeah. I had Frank Borman on a number of times. Yeah. Um, he was all impressed with this new program he was starting, and we thought, well, gee, well, what is that? And it turns out it was the car dealership deal. Uh, okay. With, In Tucson, know, yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought, well, that's, uh, yeah, I thought, well, that's not really impressive to to us, we thought it was going to be something wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could get a free ticket or you got a discount if you flew on Eastern. I forget exactly what it was. Uh. <clears throat> but anyway, it was the one fellow on the flight that played, um, oh, jeez. Well, was if I think of it, I'll let you know. Was it a comedy <laughs> uh, movie? No, it's, there are three tall guys, one One's British, and one passed away, and he always played uh, 007. Uh, what is his name? Look, yeah. John Connery. I had John, him on, John and Connery. I had wow. Michael and Michael wow. Caine and Michael um, Caine. Yeah. Uh, Plummer. What's his name? Uh -huh. name? Yeah. Anyway, I was uh, holding back the coach patch passengers from first class. And Sean Connery turned around, and he walked back. He was sitting, like, in the third row. And he said, you know, it was such a lovely flight. And I, I just was so taken back. I started giggling. Then I felt like oh. an idiot. <laughs> well. But they were all very nice except for, who was it? Christopher Plummer wasn't very nice. Oh, British. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I had Jay Leno on the flight one time from Atlanta to uh, Los Angeles, and 
we didn't have many people. It was only 757, and he asked uh, the flight attendant if uh, if he could uh, take uh, one of the uh, – he was sitting first class initially. And, of course, everybody on the airplane wanted his autograph, and he was signing autographs. Very nice, Who nice gentleman. Jay Leno. Who was that? Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, dungarees and a, 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 a similar dungaree material shirt. And um, and he stretched out across the, uh, the three seats in the in the coach section. There was no one there. He wanted to rest. And but he signed as many people presented him anything to sign on. He was signing and he, mm-hmm. nice, really a nice guy. The flight attendants told me. But um very nice. Okay, very good. So we did have a lot of folks that we flew because of so many years that we did fly. And uh, let me ask nice. you this. Yeah. Did, do, does this young lady know Hank Snow? It's the person. What's her name? Did you know Sharon? Hank Snow? Sharon, because he was a famous country music <laughs> thing. Hank Snow. S-N-O-W. You probably heard his songs and everything. Well, he got on one night, and I was flying engineer on the Electra, and I saw him go walking back there, and I said, that's Hank Snow, because I'd heard him in high school, you know. I'd sing his songs. And he was real popular back in the 50s. He's a country music singer of the highest order. And so we leveled <laughs> off somewhere, and I said, Captain, can I go back there and talk to Hank Snow? And he said, Hank Snow's here? I said, yeah, I saw him get on. <laughs> and he was wearing this cowboy-looking outfit, you know, how they had the spangles and all that. And he said, no, I'll go back there, you know. Of course, they, they, they didn't need me anyhow. Lecter and second officer didn't do nothing. Or flight engineer, we called us. You know, we just sat around and looked at everything. So I went back there and bent over, and and, uh, and it was dark. It was at night, and they had lights on, and I said, Hank Snow, well, Mr. Snow, can I talk to you for four moments? I've been your fan since high school. And he was the <laughs> nicest guy talking to him, and we just chit-chatted. And, and, and I thought he was going to be an I've been everywhere song. You know? I've been everywhere on San Francisco, Evelyn, all the towns and everything. But he didn't. But he was dressed with all his spangles and everything. And I had a lot of other people, no doubt. I mean, I had all kinds of people. I had the entire cast hey. of... Uh, Raymond Burr was that lawyer and, and took him to Bermuda and they ate, took up yeah. a first class completely. But Hank Snow was a guy I tell you, I'd really got to go back and talk to him. Well, you know, a lot of folks know that I had a school in Atlanta called Georgia Flyer School of Aviation. And John Corny, another Eastern pilot and myself, owned it. And uh, I had a flight in an Electra one time. We landed out at the old Hobby, Hobby Airport. And... Uh, and John Glenn, and uh, we didn't have jetways then, and John Glenn was going to get on the airplane and fly with us back to Atlanta, I guess, or wherever it was we were going. And, uh, of course, John Glenn wasn't a, sen- a senator. He was an astronaut. And yeah. uh, at any rate, I figured I was going to take advantage of the situation. And so I got one of those little doilies, or you know, that goes on the, the trays, the food trays. And uh, I mm-hmm. asked him to... Uh, to give me his autograph, if he didn't mind, and uh, and I said, uh, can can I tell you what to put on there and just sign it? And he said, sure. And I said, would you put down there? Couldn't have done it without Georgia Flyer School of Aviation and signed John Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and he did. He signed it. But uh, at any rate, I wish I still had that. Golly, Pete, I've moved so many times, but um, that was a great one. That was almost as good as that doily that I had Boom Boom signed for me on my Boom Boom episode out to L.A. But at any rate, here's another question for you before we run out of time here. I don't know whether Sharon, you gals uh, and guys in the, in the cabin were able to fly on jump seats or not with other airlines, were you? Um, I don't remember. I know I used to ride our own jump seats, and I think I did one time with, um, I don't know if I had a girlfriend that flew for Delta, um, flight attendant from high school, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but I don't remember if that was it or not. Yeah. Maybe on Air Florida I did. I, I don't remember. Well, but no. It, it, yeah, probably not as much as we did because 
we, the pilots, uh, we use that jump seat to commute. And so many of the pilots didn't live in the, uh, at the domicile that they were based. And they lived in other cities, which in some cases proved to be very beneficial, especially when they had snow ends, you know. And people couldn't, mm -hmm. like up in New York, couldn't get to the airport where we had uh, folks that were commuters that were living in crash pads close to the airport were able to be there. So, mm -hmm. um, but at any rate, mm -hmm. uh, they tried to stop that at one time, Jim. I think you, I don't know if you remember, the company was very upset about so many people jump seat riding. Did you ever hmm. remember anything? Well, no, I guess I, I did my share of commuting, uh, mainly to Chicago, but, uh, you know, that was uh, not a big deal for us, mainly. It had a lot of service, a lot of flights, and so yeah. I didn't have any real bad experiences commuting. Well, Eastern was probably one of the the best airlines for other airlines to jump seat on because there were very few guys that would disallow uh, another airline pilot to not get on the jump seat if it was available, if it was available. Yeah. And, uh, I remember so that. Probably, yeah. And uh, so, but uh, at any rate, uh, Jim, did you ever refuse to uh, allow a person to ride the jump seat? Twice. One of your flights? Twice? Twice. Okay. Yeah. It was in Miami. The first one was uh, out at the end of it where it was sort of a circular, and all the people were walking around, and at the gates coming in in a circle. And then everybody was running around, and this guy was walking around in an Eastern captain, a first officer uniform, had long blonde hair, carrying a newspaper stuffed into his right rear pocket, and looked like hell. And uh, there was a flight attendant. My flight attendant, the senior, was standing there at the door, and this is way before, maybe 15 minutes before departure, and, and he came up and said, Captain, I want to ride the jump seat to Atlanta. And I said, well, folks, you're going to lose. You're going to go somewhere and throw that newspaper in the trash can you got sticking out of your back pocket. Then you're going to put your hat on, and you're going to try to look like an Eastern pilot. And when you do that and come back, I may let you get on. And he walked off. Didn't say a word, uh -huh. and he walked off. And the flight attendant turned to me. And she was married to him. Uh, I've never met him, but I've heard about him. She was married to a real straight-back Air Force officer or something, I don't know, maybe Marines. And she said, boy, I, saw, I heard what you told him, and I can't wait to get home and tell my husband about it. <laughs> did, did, did you do that? Yeah, they didn't even get on the airplane. I threw him off. And the other one I think I talked about on recently on the show, there was this guy showed up, and you could smell him as soon as he came in the door. And he turned and came in the cockpit, but this other guy went back and sat down, and he said, uh, Captain, I've got it figured out. I'm going to ride the jump seat, and my friend back here, uh, I think we can get him in first class. <laughs> I said, what? Neither one of y'all are going anywhere. Get off the airplane and go back to the bar. <laughs> and the flight attendant was there standing there, and she said, God, thank you, Captain. That guy smells like a brewery. <laughs> and they said, okay, and they both walked off the airplane. I don't know if the other guy was a pilot or not, but this guy identified himself as an Eastern Metro or something like that, Captain. And he said, we got it all figured out. I'm going to ride the jump seat, and my friend back here is going to get me an empty seat right over yonder. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. No, y'all ain't going nowhere. Get off the airplane. <laughs> Good for you. That was great. <laughs> Sharon, on the on the L ten eleven, Sharon, you weren't allowed to have on takeoff and landings anybody in the galley, right? Uh, downstairs in the galley. On jump seat? Oh no, uh uh And I usually worked. I used to like to work downstairs, but no, we didn't. Although I think one time we did sneak somebody. <laughs> Was there a jump seat down With there? Another flight attendant. Not really. There was one. Uh, by the sink, but uh -huh. there was not a jump seat. I don't think there was okay. a jump seat. It was just a seat, not just a seat. But yeah. I can't remember either. I have to look at some of my old pictures. Yeah, Neil, I got a question for you. Yeah, how many times have you ridden the flight attendant jump seat commuting? I think uh, a couple Me? of times. A couple of times. Well, I did when a couple I was... of times. Three or four times. Well, <laughs> that flight Dale... attendant, me just sitting in the back of that seven fifty seven, just smiling and grinning. 
<laughs> Gail, do you remember Gail Parton? Do you remember her, uh, Jim? Gail, 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 Gail Parton, Parton, like, like uh, you know, Parton, uh, the captain, Eastern captain. Uh, so oh, he's the captain? Can't. No, no. Gail was a flight attendant based in Atlanta. Oh. And uh, she she lived in Pensacola, and I was commuting to Pensacola. And I don't know how many times I rode the flight attendant jump seat because the airplane oh, yeah. was over, you know, sold out, and I'd sit in the jump seat. Yeah, flight well, attendant. Been, yeah. And she would deliver We've done me. That a lot. Mm-hmm. She would deliver me in a in a. She'd empty out a, a Seven Up can, and she would pour me beef eater gin in there. And she said I'd put an olive in there, but they're too big to put down that little hole in the can there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the time I got off the airplane, mm-hmm. couldn't remember where my car was, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. she really took care of me on those flights, and and she used to fly it all the time. Gail was a wonderful woman. She died of cancer, but she did marry mm-hmm. an astronaut that uh, didn't make it uh, on any space flights, but he was trained in Pensacola. Um, an mm-hmm. astronaut. I can't think of his name either. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. those were the good days. Let's see. Do I have one more question? Yeah, I got one more question here. And I, th- uh, Jim, you commuted, and Sharon, did you ever commute? Yeah, I guess you did. I commuted. Oh, I commuted one time um, when we were allowed to go back to work um, after the strike. Okay. And I had to go to Atlanta because Miami was so. Uh-huh. I did commute for just what a couple of months because then we went out in ninety ninety one. So yeah, but I didn't like it. Did you have a crash pad there in Atlanta? No. Sometimes I would get a hotel room occasionally, but most yeah. of the time I try to go to the crew lounge. But then somebody would always come in vacuuming around three thirty <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> oh, do I remember that? <laughs> Oh, God, turn the lights on. Yeah. Oh, man. How about you, Jim? Did you commute? Yes, I commuted uh, to Boston to fly captain, and then I went from Boston to Chicago, where I commuted to fly, continue to fly captain. And that was was about it. Uh, I didn't, yeah, once, once I got to Atlanta, I was able to stay here. Did, was that when you commuted? Did you have a crash pad that you shared with other pilots? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Okay. I shared a whole week with uh, Tom Fothergill, though, a guy in my class. Because when that oh. blizzard of '78 hit, he was over uh, seeing me because we were sitting on reserve up there aboard Steely, and he left his room out on on the bay that he had rented some old lady. And he came over to see me, and the blizzard hit that night. And five days later, five nights later, he was still living on a on a <laughs> mattress in the floor of my hotel room in uh, Boston. Yeah, that's Tom Fothergill. Yeah, yeah, I know Tom, Tom pretty Fothergill. well because he had a he had a a suitcase, uh, a two nighter suitcase, uh, Samsonite, uh, with alligator mm-hmm. skin. You remember uh, those alligator mm-hmm. skin suitcases Samsonite mm-hmm. made? I had well, one. He didn't have he it when he one. came to stay with me. He didn't and have he, nothing. Yeah, well, he he got mine and I got his. And I went by to, mistake. I, yeah, by mistake. And I went to Syracuse in the winter time, and he went somewhere else down south in the winter time. Well, here his suitcase was full of summer clothes, and, and I was in Syracuse <laughs> in the snow, and I had his suitcase. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good story. Oh golly. Tom Father. I hadn't seen yeah. I hadn't seen Tom in years. Yeah. But um at any rate, uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. Time has really passed by real fast and I appreciate uh, you guys uh, uh being with me Can today. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Completely unrelated to any of this. Uh, my son is looking at a house up in North Carolina and probably going to buy the house, but they're concerned about satellite uh, super-duper coverage because his wife, or not his wife, his girlfriend, does all this really big-time, needs all its uh, Internet-type capacity. 
uh, and they've got all the. Com- I don't know how it works. I thought everybody had one satellite up there, or you had a cable or something. But apparently, they they launch satellites, and the whole world is full of satellites up there, in low Earth orbit. I don't know what that means, but it's not up there with the big boys out there in the outer space. And they launched a satellite. I mean, launched a satellite yesterday. Twenty-one satellites on board the rocket. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. And once wow. it got up, I don't know, a uh, hundred thousand feet or something, it went over on its side. It started accelerating horizontally. Now I know this huh. ain't got anything to do with anything else. And they said it had twenty one satellites and I just wondered if it the way it it didn't keep going way on out there, it went low earth orbit. And I hope one of those satellites is gonna be over Michael's house so they can have real good yeah. internet for his wife. Mm-hmm. She has to you know, big time, big time service uh, to do her job. But that's yeah. the strangest thing. And I thought when I was watching it, I said, Does that thing fix and turn around and come back down and crash? Because you know, it, it went level, it went horizontal. Jim, I'm going to ask my next door neighbor if he'll ask his son, because his son lives out in California and he is a uh-huh. rocket scientist. I mean, literally a rocket scientist. He has a PhD mm-hmm. in aerospace engineering and he sends up communication satellites. Yep, his, his company does. So I'm going to see if he can ask him if uh, yeah. What but it said it had 21 satellites on board, and I just see a little door opening up, and let's kick one out here. Let's kick yeah. one out. <laughs> let's kick one over here. They need something there right below them, North Carolina. You know, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> I, I still thought all the that all came by cable to my house. Since you <laughs> asked that question, I'm going to ask one that I got a strange phone call yesterday. I was uh, coming out of the parking lot at Costco, and uh, I was in the handicap uh, permit uh, parking area, and I didn't notice a guy that was waiting for me. He was as old as I am, and I was on the phone because this guy had called me, and uh, he asked me the following question, and I'm going to read it out on the air and see if anybody out there is listening that can help this guy out, although I don't know whether... I should, but it's up to anybody that wants to reply to him. And he addresses me as Captain Holland. He said, thank you for speaking with me this afternoon. That was yesterday. Again, my investigation firm is interested in identifying Eastern Airlines mechanics who worked at Tampa International Airport and or Tampa Air Center during the 1970s. My firm is interested in learning about the facilities at these locations, specifically the existence of maintenance hangars. I'm more interested in asking mechanics about a former Tampa Air Center mechanic. And I think he did say that before he went with Tampa Air Center, he was an Eastern mechanic and he finishes out his paragraph by saying any assistance in identifying these mechanics is much much appreciated and from what i understand it has something to do with asbestos so it sounded like to me uh, uh when this guy finally came over and knocked on my window in my car wanting to know when i was going to move it <laughs> so <laughs> and then I had to back did he ask you all of that no, no, this guy was waiting for my parking spot. But the other the other guy was on my cell phone in my car talking to him. Oh. But at any rate, I asked him, I said, now, how does this have to do with an Eastern mechanics? He said, well, apparently this Eastern mechanic has developed this meso, whatever it's called, mesopathella. I can't pronounce uh-huh. the word. And uh, and uh, is, uh, is thinking that... Mesothelioma, something like that. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, uh, and he's trying to find out the material that was used in these hangars that Eastern had, and also that uh, that Tampa uh, Air Center had during the seventies mm-hmm. to confirm mm-hmm. that he was exposed to this type of thing. But at any rate, and rather than give you his name, uh, I'm going to ask anybody that is a mechanic that worked in Tampa. Uh, during the 70s to get in touch with me and um, enealholland at yahoo.com 
or go to the web, uh, the uh, Facebook page on the web, uh, on the internet, and just drop me a line. So, and I'll forward it on to this uh, fellow up in Massachusetts mm -hmm. that's looking for it. So, at any rate, thanks for the help that you did, Jim Holder, in trying to find this uh, fellow, Ron Davis, for a person that. Oh calls. yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I mm -hmm. had a real good conversation with that uh, fellow. I wished I could have uh, I found his date of hire, which he said that that matched by when it was. But it's yeah. a shame I couldn't really get him. But I think he's yeah. off on sick leave, so no telling okay. where he is. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and uh, Sharon, if there's any help we can give you with uh, trying to locate anybody, we'll, we'll try it, and we'll put it on the Facebook also and see if there's anybody that will reply to, uh, to requesting mm -hmm. where people are because that's – you know, I'd like to know where some of the people that were really, well, it seems like right. everybody in, East, okay. in Eastern Airlines were so close together. We made so many friends with the airlines. Right. And, uh, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Well, anyhow, we're going to jump off here and uh, say goodbye to everyone and hope to see you again next Friday. And don't forget, we have a Monday show. And uh, I'm Friday. going to... Next night, Saturday, excuse me, next Saturday. Mm -hmm. My son comes in and visiting my wife and I uh, tomorrow, Sunday. His wife is a captain with SkyWest, and I'm anxious to find out how she likes flying left seat after only being with him for a year and a half. That's a quick promotion, Whoa. isn't it? Yeah, yeah a year yeah. and a half. Right. Yeah. So um, and they'll mm -hmm. be with us for a few days, and then well, Monday night we do the Monday night uh uh, memories of a great airline, Eastern, as told by its people. So I'm going to give it over to Hop Harrigan, going to land the airplane, and we'll see you next week. See you, Sharon. Goodbye. See you, Jim. Thanks a lot. Feeling well, all clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Coming in on a wing and a prayer Though there's one motor gone We can still carry on Coming in on a wing and a prayer What a show, what a fight Yes, we really hit our target for tonight How we sing as we limp through the air Look below, there's our field over there With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord We're coming in on a wing and a prayer How we sing as we limp through the air Look below, there's our field over there With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord We're coming in on a wing and a
they're taking you away, leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 3:31. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. <laughs> 